Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. All right, how, are you ready for the Word of God this morning? All right, well, this morning we are in part 13, just a couple of weeks left, about three weeks left of this series as we are processing through the book of Romans. And I really hope and I trust that you're taking the time to partner with us and read along with us so that God can begin to stir some things in your spirit so that when you get here, he kind of puts that final touch and that cherry on top. I know some of you are reading along because I've had some people say, well, I've already read such and such chapter. I can't wait to see what direction we tackle that one from. Because there's been some of those chapters, it's just like, where are we going with this? What does this look like? And in others, it's totally obvious of what's happening. See, as we've been processing through this series that we're simply calling Breakthrough, Live by Faith, Advance with Grace, we've discovered so much about ourselves. At least I've discovered a lot about myself. I realize that in my own attempt, I can't do this thing called life by myself. In my own attempt, I hit this downward spiral, this downward track. It's simply being good is not good enough right? How many of you have heard people say, maybe you've even said yourself, well, I'm a good person. We've all said that. We've heard that said, but that's not what's going to work. You see, in order to have a full relationship with God, something has to change in our lives. In fact, when we give our lives to Jesus and he cleanses us and makes us brand new, suddenly we're seen as righteous, not because of our righteousness, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus makes a way for you and for me to a life of of true forgiveness, ultimate forgiveness, a life that is void of condemnation. The Bible says in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation to those that believe, but we have a life that's full of the grace and the mercy of God. That's great news. Now today, I want to move into chapter 12. And if I'm being completely transparent, Chapter 12 ranks right up there with chapter 8 for me as my favorite. I probably quote chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 more than any other portion of the book of Romans. In fact, there's so much in Romans 12 that we're going to take two weeks on this one. I'm going to do the first eight verses today, and then next week we'll come in and we'll grab the rest of it. But take a look at our text, verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. He says, therefore, I urge you. Now, that word urge is is very interesting. In the King James, it literally says this, I beseech thee, brethren. I mean, that's the serious word right there. I beseech thee, brethren. The New Living Translation says, I plead with you. Here it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good is pleasing and his perfect will. 
I don't know about you, but I want my life to be in such a place. I want to be in, in such alignment with who God is that I can hear, that I understand, that I can receive what his will is, not just his permissive will, but his good will, his, his pleasing will, and ultimately his perfect will. And how do I come to that place? Paul says, I urge you. I urge you to offer yourself. I, I plead with you. I beseech thee, brethren. A high level, a level of urgency on his voice. Why? Paul sees that this is so serious that we've got to take this to heart. In fact, this word urge or beseech, it literally comes from the original word parakaleo. Parakaleo is the same word that is used in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, where we find a, a man with leprosy. He's consumed with leprosy. He comes before Jesus. He kneels down with him and he begs him. That word begs is the word parakaleo. He begs him for a healing. Paul's using this same word. He says, I urge you. I beg you. I plead with you. There's an urgency here not to be conformed to this world, not to fall into the trap of the mold of what they're trying to press you into. But I challenge you today to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul sees the need for the church of Rome. He sees the need for you and for me today for us to live a life that is built on a relationship with Jesus. Come on, now look at this. He doesn't say, I beseech thee, brethren, show up every Sunday morning, read 12 chapters a day, pray for five hours a day. I mean, we need the Bible, we need prayer, we need fellowship with one another. But he says, what you've really got to grab a hold of is this relationship. Jesus himself said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, with all that you are, every morsel of your being, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says the two of these can't be separated. Again, Paul is urging us to offer ourselves in this relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because if we fail to build our life off of Jesus there'll be something that we build our life off of. Chances are it'll be built off a corrupt, dysfunctional world that, truth be told, will lead you down a misguided spiral of destruction every single time. So Paul says, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg with you today, give your lives, offer yourselves to God. Let him be the foundation that you build upon. Resist the urge to fit into this world's mold. And let me be honest, they're working hard. Yeah? yeah amen. They're working hard to get us to fit into a mold. Parents, lead your kids. And I, I'm kind of grateful that my kids are 19 and 21. Because they're not going through all of this ridiculous stuff that our young kids are going through. 
I want to challenge you. The Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. It says talk about these truths of God's word on a regular basis. Hide them in your heart, but talk about it with your kids as you sit at home, as you walk down the street. He says write it on the doorpost, write it on your forehead. Get to know these things, embark them upon your kids. Why? Because the Bible knows, God knows that the world is going to press hard to get us to conform to who they are. But God says, no, 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 let me transform you from the inside out. We're not called to be of this world. In fact, the Bible says that we're strangers in this land. That we're just passing through. We're here for a season. We're here for a time. But the moment you give your life to Jesus, you're a resident of heaven for all eternity. Amen. Amen. We're called to be separate, to be set apart for the calling of God. But here's what I find interesting in Paul's writings in chapter 12. He gives us a connect between our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Now hold on to this. If you want to learn how to have better relationships with those around you, this is going to revolutionize your life. You ready for this? This is good stuff. If you want to learn how to have better relationships with people around you, you know that coworker that just gets on your nerves? You know that, that, that neighbor that just drives you batty? If you want to know how to get along with them better, get to know God more. Get to know God more. Our relationship with God affects our relationship with others. But we can take that a step further. Our relationship with others affects our relationship with God. Every single time. Let me me say this again, because some of you, you're looking at me like a deer in the headlights here. Our relationships with God, how we interact with Him, how we get to know Him, how we press in for more of Him. I'm not talking about a Sunday morning hour and 15-minute attendance. No, a relationship. See, just just giving God an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning is kind of like a Friday night, one night stand. Not a whole lot of good comes out of that. But we're to offer ourselves to God on a daily basis, to take up that cross and, and to follow after him. And that relationship that we have with him, the more that we get to know him, the greater we get to know him. And the more that we get to know him, the easier it is to get to know people around us. Why? Because we're no longer seeing things through our eyes, our tainted view of society, but suddenly we're seeing them through the hearts of God and God Almighty. Look what John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 says. If someone says, I love God, how many of you would say, I love God? God. Okay, like half of you love God this morning. (laughs) If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer... That person is a, say it with me, liar. Well, pastor, that's not right. I I can love God. I can come to Sunday morning. I I raise my hand more than anyone else does. In fact, I raise my hand more than Pastor Luke does. I mean, he's playing the guitar, but whatever. If we say that we love God, but yet we hate our fellow brother, 
we're a liar. Because truth be told, if we love God and God is in us, then love has to exude out of us. Right? I've shared this before, but there's a story about a, a little girl that she was in a Sunday school class one time, and, and the teacher began to talk, and the little girl's mind started going, and she said, she said uh, Mr., uh, Mrs. Smith, I've got a question. Um, you said that, that God is, is bigger than anything, right? The teacher said, absolutely. God is bigger than anything. And you also said that when we ask him into our lives, that, that he comes in to us, right? And the teacher said, absolutely, that's correct. Well, if God is so big and he comes into us, then shouldn't he shine through our lives? And I wonder, are we allowing him to shine through? Are we allowing that, that love, because the Bible says that God by definition is love, are we allowing that love to press through every morsel of our being, that, that at every step that we take, we slosh over a little bit of God? Come on, you remember when, when your kids were little, maybe they still are, and they, they fill up that glass of water, and it's not just full. I mean, we know full. Full is like this far from the top, right? Not for a little kid. A little kid, full is when it bubbles over the top. And, and they're trying to carry that across the kitchen, and every step they take, it's like splashing everywhere. That's how we should be on a regular basis. And, and if you find yourself not sloshing over God, you need to go to the refilling station. You need to turn on that spiritual faucet and say, Lord, refill me because I leak. Lord, I need more of you today. Lord, I want to shine through for you today. Lord, I offer myself to you. And in return, God, would you pour your spirit into me in a greater way that every word that I say, every, every action that I take, every step that I take, I represent you to the greatest of my ability. See, that's what we're talking about today. Offer yourselves. And, and Paul urges us, I beg you, I plead with you, I beseech thee, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. But he says, if you love God but you hate your brother, you're a liar. And if you don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. Today, I want to look at four foundational directives to build upon. How many of you would agree with me that we need a solid foundation to build upon? If you're to go out and build a house today, I'm not a contractor, I'm not a construction guy, I've got a lot of tools, that means nothing. But if I was to build a house, I would make sure that I've got a good foundation, that there's a good footing there to build upon. I can't just put wood post in the ground and it's all going to work. It's going to rot away over time. So I've got to build off a solid foundation. I want to give you four foundational directives. Number one is this. Give yourself completely to God. Give yourself completely to God. In other words, we've gotten rid of the loopholes here. The loophole would be give yourself to God. And then we would find a way around to give him a little bit here and a little bit there, but not really give him everything. 
So Paul says when you offer yourself to God, when you surrender yourself to God, it's not a partial giving, but it's a complete giving. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now look at this. He doesn't say, offer God your time. That would have been good. I urge you, give God some of your time. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I urge you to offer God your life. No, he doesn't say life. Offer him your soul. No, he doesn't say soul. He says, offer him your body. Well, pastor, what does that mean? That simply means this, Lord, these hands, well, these hands are yours. Lord, whatever you want to do, however you want to use these hands, God, I, I make them available to you. Oh, my mind? Yeah, my, Lord, my mind is yours as well. Uh, however you want to process in my mind, Lord, Lord, I surrender myself. My words? Lord, I give you my words. I give you my, my voice. I give you my eyes, everything I look at, everything I see, my feet, everywhere I go, Lord. I, I give myself to you. In other words, Lord, all that I am from, from top to bottom, Lord, I've surrendered it to you so that I can honor you in the greatest capacity. Romans chapter 6 says this, don't let any parts of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Any part. See, sometimes we, we overlook areas of our life. Well, you know, if I have a few words, that's just who I am. If I spout off every once in a while at work, it's no big deal. That's just who I am. But at that point, we're allowing our tongue to be used for evil. Right? Well, it's my thought life. It doesn't really matter. No one knows really what's going on up in here. But the problem is, if we allow it to stir into our minds, it works its way into the rest of our life as well. The Bible says, don't allow any part of your body to become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, I love how the Bible gives us something not to do, but then it gives us the better way. He says, instead, give yourselves, say it with me, completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. God. Well, pastor, what's it mean that I once was dead? Apart from Christ, we have no life. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's no life in us when we're living as the world, when we're doing the things of the world, when we're living for that old sinful nature. But the moment you give yourself to Christ, the Bible says there's a new life that is raised up inside of us. And this new life, that's what we're to offer to God. That's what we're to give to God. What did he say? He said, offer him a living sacrifice. I don't know how many times I've seen Christians give God the dead stuff. Right? We try to hold on to the life ourselves. But Lord, you can have this lifeless lump. I'm sure you can do something with that. You're an awesome God. Be creative. Right? But he says, give him a living sacrifice. Allow life to be restored. 
Paul says, don't let any part of your body, in other words, this is an intentional effort to completely surrender a willful desire to follow the plan and purpose that God has set before you. I know that's a really big sentence, and I underlined it and I highlighted it because I wanted to make sure that we really grabbed a hold of this. It's an intentional effort. It means purposely I'm doing this to completely surrender. I'm giving all that I am a willful desire, not a happenstance moment, but I'm choosing to do this, to follow a plan, the plan and the purpose that God has set before you. Now we're going to get to this more in just a moment. Yet he doesn't just say give God our body. We're to offer him all that we are, a living, breathing sacrifice. And then Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. What's he saying there? He said, as I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, pleasing to him. I truly expect, I truly believe that this isn't just what I'm doing here, but it's going to be what I do there. It's going to be what I do over here. It's going to be what I do at work and at church and in the neighborhood, at the grocery store, that everywhere I go, I truly expect that I'm going to continue to offer myself to him, that I'm not going to be ashamed, but I'll be bold for the cause of Christ. It says, then I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. See, our first directive is we've got to give ourselves completely to God. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you've surrendered yourself somewhat to God. Maybe you've even come to an altar and you said, Lord, come into my heart and come into my life. Lord, I give myself to you. But the problem is you kind of stash some things in your back pocket for safekeeping. I saw a video online the other day of a, a mom. She had her child's backpack from school and she's like, why is this thing so heavy? First off, it's always scary when your kid's backpack is heavier when they're little when they come home than when you sent them because you know something's in there that shouldn't be there, right? The mom opened the backpack and it was full, jam-packed full of acorns. I don't know what this kid was going to do. I mean, they're, they're starting a business. They're building a tree farm. I, I don't know. But for some reason, this kid wanted to stockpile all these acorns. And I think sometimes that's what we do. Oh, it may not be an acorn, but we put a few things in our back pocket and we think, I might just use this later. And God says, why don't you just give that to me now? Because I've got a better plan for you. And what you're holding on to there, that, that thing that you're, you're grabbing a hold of and you're sticking in your back pocket, that's not part of the plan. But I need you to trust me. The Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him. Why? Because he will direct your path. Why not let the one that already knows your future direct your path? Doesn't that make a whole lot more sense? Yet we put that acorn in our back pocket just in case we might need it. 
I would challenge you today, surrender yourself, give yourself completely to God and watch what he begins to do. That leads us right into directive number two. Remove the distractions from your life. Any of you have any distractions in your life? Don't point at your wife. (laughs) Not a smart move, guys. Not a smart move. Remove the distractions. I found myself a while back, um, and maybe you've been here, maybe, or maybe I'm just the only one, but I found myself continuously, like, I don't know if the word tempted is the right word or what the word is, but I'd pick up my phone and I would just open up Facebook. No, no reason, but for some reason I'm like, I gotta find out what someone's eating for lunch. <laughs> so I removed that from my phone. So I'm like, I don't need to know, I'm sorry, Matthew, I don't need to know every step you take. Tristan, I don't need to know what time you got up this morning to come to church. I don't need to know this. Distractions. Things that cloud our mind. Things that take us off the course and off the path that God has for us. And in verse 2 he says, do not conform He didn't say, I I have a thought, you might not want to. No, no, no. He says, do not. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. And here's what I've come to realize and understand. The world that we live in today, this culture that we walk around in every day, it wants to control your mind. but I've got good news. God just wants to transform you from the inside out. I mean, culture is showing us all of these terms. They're trying to make us more of this and make us more of that. They're using terms like woke. If you'll just be woke. I didn't even know what that meant. I literally Googled it yesterday. What is woke meant? And and on its beginning, it wasn't a bad thing, but man, we've taken this thing way over here somewhere, and it's taken us off track. I think the only time we need to be woke is when we wake up to Jesus. I want to challenge you. Set your mind upon the things of God. Watch what he will do in you. This culture will do anything and everything it can do to, to pressure you from the outside to put you into this mold. It's taking this square peg and trying to put it in a round hole. And if you were like me as a kid, what I would do is if you just spin that square peg enough on that round hole, you can wear off those edges and then it fits in. Now, some of you were smarter than I am. You're like, nope, it doesn't fit. I'm like, ah, not today, Satan. It's going to fit. I mean, we were doing the food distribution Friday morning, we were dispersing to different places, and, and Pastor Matt from our Warrensburg campus and one of the other guys there had two SUVs, and we had all the product going to Warrensburg, and there was like six boxes about this size. Four of them, I think, were, were the Snyder pretzels, and then we had one of popcorn, maybe one other one, six boxes about yay big, and they're like, we're out of room. These cars are full. We're going to have to come back on Monday to get the other six boxes, and I went, uh-uh. We're going to fit these babies in here. I said, open up the back. And I began to shuffle things around, and I'm going along, and I got about four of them in, and there's still two boxes. And I'm thinking, I'm defeated. This is not going to fit. But I thought, no, 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 no. I'm too far in. Come on, guys. Guys, have you ever been too far in? 
and you're like, I can't stop now. One way or another, if I had to like get some sort of saw and cut the top off this SUV, this box is going in here. That was kind of where I was. And in fact, one of the boxes, I had to open it up and I'm taking individual bags out and I'm shoving them in spots. I closed the back and said, there you go. Go to Warrensburg. Now, why did I just share that with you? I know it's an impressive story and you're all highly impressed, but I don't know why I just shared that with you. I got nothing. I got nothing. That was a great story. I hope you enjoyed that story this morning. I really have no idea why I shared that with you. Maybe I was just really proud of myself. Good job. These young whippersnappers, they don't know how to pack a car. They didn't play Jenga as a kid. All right, let me move on. Culture is, oh, here it is. Culture is trying to press us into their mold. As a kid, I would spin that wooden block, that square block, until the edges wore off, and then it would fit into the round hole. See, there's my segue. But what I love about God, what I love about the Holy Spirit, is he's got a completely different approach. See, rather than than taking us and going, oh, Luke, you're going to fit in here. You're going to fit. You're going to fit. I'm going to spin you around till all those edges off, and then you'll fit in the hole. No, no, no. He says, let me begin to work on the inside of your life. Let me begin to stir something different in you. Have you ever been in that moment with God, and and suddenly you were like, Lord, I, I I don't understand why I'm having this feeling. Lord, I've never been concerned about them or that or this situation before, but God, something new is stirring in me. That's the Holy Spirit working on the inside of your life. Philippians chapter 2 says that God gives you the power and the ability to do what is right. It doesn't say he takes that square peg and he gets the old saw out and begins to chop the edges. No, 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 no. He begins to work on the inside of you, giving you that power, giving you that ability to do what is right. He places a new nature inside of you. So, so what do we have to do? we got to remove those distractions, those temptations in our lives that are attempting to conform us to the mold of the world, the things that, that get in the way and keep us from doing what God has for us to do. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, I believe it's A.W. Tozer that said the definition of sin is anything that cools your relationship with God. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, you've got to strip off every one of those weights that even slows you down in your pursuit of God, especially, he says, the sin that so easily trips you up. Anybody in the house have anything that easily trips them up? Yeah, every one of us. And quite honestly, across this room, that is so different. Every person has something different that trips you up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. See, why do we have to strip off all these weights? Because if we're going to run with endurance, you don't want that heavy baggage around your ankles. You don't want all that extra weight in your back pockets or in your backpack. 
You want to get yourself ready for the race. You're going to do everything you can so that there's no more wind resistance, so that you can run faster than you've ever run before. He said, strip off every weight that slows you down, especially the sin that trips you up, and run with endurance. I wonder, what are the things in your life that you need to strip away? What are those things in your life that are slowing down your pursuit of God? They're distorting the transformation that God is desiring and longing to do inside of you. This process starts by identifying the issue. The way I understand any 12-step program, step one is, I think step one is actually identifies the higher power, but it gets to the point of saying, hey, I got a problem. I got an issue. There's a situation, something is causing me to be tripped up on a regular basis. The same thing goes in your spiritual life. You've got to identify what that problem is in order to remove that issue from your life. Some of you today may need to revise your lifestyle. You need to change the people that you're hanging out with. Perhaps you need to change the route that you take to work. What does that look like in your life? What needs to be changed so that you can be more like what Christ would have you to be? See, I've also met a lot of Christians that are extremely talented. They have a lot to offer God, but they're just too busy in life. They've been conformed to the world and missed the opportunity that God's laid in front of them. Oh, they want to serve God as long as it doesn't interfere with the mold that they're in. Come on, let me say that again. We want to serve God as long as it doesn't interfere with the mold that we're, we're in. Grab a hold of this. Paul says, commit yourself to God and then don't conform to the pattern of the world. It does not say commit yourself to God and then continue along the pattern that the world has laid in front of you. Commit yourself to God. Stay away from the conformity of the world, but let God transform you from the inside out. See, we've got to give ourselves completely to God. We've got to remove the distractions from our lives. And number three, we've got to be honest in the evaluation of ourselves. Got to be honest. Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. He says, I warn you, listen carefully, don't think you're better than you really are. Wow. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Now, as we do this honest evaluation of ourselves, the problem is we have a tendency of going to one or two extremes. First off, we either think that we are the greatest thing next to sliced bread, we are God's gift to the world that no one can compare to us, that's a problem. Or we think, I'm no good at all. I can't do anything for the kingdom of God. I'm just a mess. But listen carefully. Both of those extremes are wrong. 
Both of those are wrong. You see, in both cases, we fail to recognize God as the giver of the gifts, and therefore, we fail to follow Him and give Him the glory that He deserves. I want to challenge you today. If you haven't ever done an evaluation of yourself, sit down and say, Lord, what does this look like? But don't compare yourself to people around you to figure out who you are. Let this be your guidebook. It's not, are you better than this person? Do you sin less than them? Do you go to church more than them or less than them? How about your prayer life? Do you pray more than them or less than them? No, no, that has nothing to do with it. Have you offered yourselves to God as a living and holy sacrifice? Have you presented yourself to him? Are you willing to follow him on a daily basis? Are you willing to surrender yourself completely to him? See, do an evaluation. Say, Lord, what does this look like? By the way, if you haven't ever taken our grow track, I want to challenge you to do that. That's a great place. I think it's week three. You begin to go through who you are in Christ and, and discover your spiritual giftings and your, what you have to offer to the kingdom of God. I want to encourage every one of you, if you haven't done that, be a part. There's one going on right now. We're in the midst of it. It's available online on the website and I think the app as well on a regular basis. Go in and take that. Find out, first off, you're not God's gift to the world. Second off, you're not worthless. But you're a child of the Most High God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has placed inside of you an ability, a purpose, a reason for existence. God desires to use you in great and mighty ways. Will you make yourself available to Him? Directive number four. Pursue the purpose that God has given you. Now, why, why is it important that I said pursue the purpose that God has given you? Because sometimes in church, we're guilty of just filling a hole. Here at Encounter Church, we're not about filling a hole at all. If you've been around here any length of time, you've heard us talk about that. In fact, I would venture to say that Pastor Joe has already heard me mention that. Brittany, you've probably already heard me mention that. We don't just fill a hole. Why? Because sometimes we're square and we're not round. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. we got to figure out where we fit. We have to pursue the purpose that God has given us. It says in verses 6 through 8, in his grace, I love that. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. Say it with me. Well. One of our core values as a church is this. We value excellence because God deserves excellence. We don't value excellence because I'm a perfectionist. We don't value excellence because my wife likes the details. We don't value excellence because our board checks everything. No, 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 no. We value excellence because God deserves, deserves excellence. Why does he deserve it? Because he gives us the ability through his grace to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. 
If your gift is incurred to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. If you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Truth be told, God could accomplish his purpose here on earth without any one of us whatsoever. Yet in verse 6, he says, by his grace, God has given gifts. Therefore, he's poured upon us the ability to further his kingdom. Now, if we're being honest, sometimes that can be a problem because we become way too human. But that's where it comes back to that, Lord, I come back to you. Lord, I offer myself to you. Lord, I surrender myself to you. Lord, not me, but you. Lord, less of me and more of you. We, we coined the term that John the Baptist talked about. Lord, you've got to increase. I've got to decrease. Lord, this is all about you. Sometimes we get focused on our ability. We get focused on our gifting. And we miss out on the purpose. Why do we do what we do? Why does this worship team come up and, and lead us in worship? Why do some of you work in the nursery and change diapers? Why do I have those that are upstairs teaching our kids? Why do we have greeters? Why does Travis stand outside at the edge of the parking lot and wave at people in all sorts of crazy weather? Because we know the purpose. We know the value of giving God our all. First Peter, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now some of you see that and you're like, somehow God missed me. Perhaps you say to yourself, or you've said this to others, I have no ability. I mean, that person up there, they seem like they can do anything. You can put them anywhere and they're going to thrive, but look at me, I got nothing to offer. That's where you're wrong. That's why you go back to that evaluation point and say, Lord, what have you placed inside of me? This phrase, each of you, it literally means everybody, every one of us. God has given us an ability. No one is left out. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're not left out. Look at the person on the other side and say, God didn't forget about you. You see, someday, one of these days, when the Lord returns or we leave this earth, we're going to stand before God and he's going to ask this question. What did you do with the gift that I gave you? What did you do with the ability that I placed before you, the talents, the time? What did you do with your health that I gave you? Every one of us has a purpose. It's our responsibility to pursue the purpose that God has given to us pastor friend of mine, Rod Loy, pastors a large church in Arkansas. He once said this, many times we are quick to ex make excuses. Sorry. Many times we are quick with excuses 
when we sense God nudging us, which is why I believe we need to make a commitment to obey immediately. I want to challenge you today as we wrap up this service to simply say, Lord, I give you all of me. I'm not going to hold on to the acorns. I'm not going to hide on a backpack. I'm not going to stuff in my back pocket. But Lord, I'm going to give you my life to fulfill the purpose that you've set before me.